What up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new R2C2. Dominic Smith of the Mets is going to join us. CC's got a nice sling and heat for you. And I have big life news. It all starts next on R2C2. R2C2 is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the Ringer Podcast Network. Looking for a better way to bet on your favorite sports online? With FanDuel Sportsbook, there are more ways to bet. If you could dream it, you could probably bet it through FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel offers spreads, parlays, money lines, over-under props, and in-game bets all in an easy-to-use app. There are more ways to cash out. When you win, you can receive your winnings in your bank account in as little as 48 hours through safe and secure process. Check out FanDuel Sportsbook app today to experience sports betting the way it always should have been. FanDuel, more ways to win. Mandatory 21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, Indiana, or Colorado. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In Indiana, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT or in Colorado, call 1-800-522-4700. What's up, everybody? We're back. Another R2C2 late night edition. Yeah. I guess, I mean, it really don't matter what I, if I tell people when, when we're on, huh? That's like kind of too much information. <laughs> Shit comes out Thursday morning anyway. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'm glad you're having this sort of like individual focus group with, session. With myself, right? Yeah, exactly. It's good. No matter what, it's out Thursday morning. Yeah, maybe I just like to tell people, you know, set the mood, you know, like what the fuck's going on, you know what I'm saying? Like where we are, you know, in the world as as we record. I like that, man. I like that. You're taking them behind the curtain. People like to be taken behind the curtain, man. That's how they <laughs> that's how they how they get more familiar with the with the pod, man, with us. See, this is my first time recording as a married man, bro. Oh this man, look it. at you wearing the ring too in the wearing house. The Where the fuck you going? Can I yeah. take that shit off? <laughs> no, I'm living it up, man. You forever? I, You're never taking it off? Well, I, I, when I'm working out, I'm taking it off. When I'm right. when I'm when I'm working out, I'm taking it off. But congratulations, but, but, bro. That's thank awesome. you, man. Thank you, man. Thank how was you, the man. How was the ceremony? How was everything? Everything everything turned out great. It, dude. Honestly, yes. It, amazingly enough, yes. Because you. You know, and we've talked about it, and our audiences has, and and thank you to everyone. Wait, who, wait, like, wait! Before posted, you get yeah. into it, the, yeah. the first, I just, I need you to yeah. answer this first. Did you yeah. cry when she was walking down the aisle? Like you said, I would. Yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> you said I would. You said I would. But, 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 bro, I, I, I cried even more when I was doing my vows because we wrote our own vows, uh, and yeah. like so, like I. I, Andrea got through her, her vows were beautiful, but she got through them without crying for the most part. I was like, you know, I was like a blubber. I had like <laughs> three or four stop downs, man. Like <laughs> hardcore stop downs. I really did, man. I really uh, did. But it, was, but it was great, man. As our audience knows, like, you know, I had a wedding scheduled for Italy, COVID, napalm that. And then, you know, we had a reschedule for 2021 and, and you know, obviously like seeing the developments, we're just like, well, I, I, I don't know if we're going to be able to go to Italy or not, but it's amazing, dude. We had planned obviously the whole deal and we will have a party at some point on the other side of the pandemic, but yeah. it was just, just our parents and siblings. Um, and then my nephews and, and, uh, Andrea's grandma, but it was great, man. It was, it felt, it felt so authentic. It felt beautiful. It was great. <laughs> 
Yeah, you know what's yeah. crazy is like a, a wedding, no matter whether how big and extravagant or how small you like intimate you make it, like it's it's a beautiful thing anyway. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like yeah. so I mean it just feels like you were surrounded probably by the people that needed to be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's exactly what it felt like. And I even thought I had this thought, I was like, you know, I got to spend all this time with with my immediate family. And if I if it was a bigger thing, right? You know, and obviously there was other members of my family and, you know, friends who, yeah, we've been great to spend it with. But there was something special about like getting to spend a time with just the immediate family, you know, because because mm-hmm. there wasn't anybody else I, I, I'm having to go to to say hello to or whatever. Yeah, you know, if like, it's a wedding, you walk around every table, you're taking pictures and all of that shit. And yeah, yeah, for sure. yeah, man. Yeah. So, no, it was it. It was dope, man. It was dope. Thank you, man. It was uh, it was great. It was fun. And and um, it also made me um, it made me worried for uh not worried for but it made me realize that the wedding business you know covid might push a lot of people towards tightening up tightening up the weddings a little bit you know people right. are gonna, gonna experience like these and they're gonna be like yo that was actually great you know maybe i don't need to blow my life savings on this event you know exactly man exactly so uh, no, it was good, dude. It was good. And I appreciate it. I wanted to say thank you because a lot of, I saw a lot of people from the, our audience like reaching out and stuff. And and so it was very, 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 very sweet. Um, see, but uh, on podcasts where um, I'm not coming off a wedding, uh, every other podcast, we always start with Sling and Heat, man. We're going to get to Dominic Smith from the Mets, who our audience is just going to love listening to. This dude for is, sure. oh my gosh, he's amazing. Um, but what you got for slinging heat today? See, man, I think my sling, I'm gonna start my slinging heat. Number one with the NBA, I'm gonna start with Chris Paul and who he should be seeking to get traded to. Um, obviously we know that, that the Thunder are looking to trade him, and you said the Suns are the likely destination, but I just feel like that's putting him back in the same situation and him going back to OKC. Mm. Like, you, you, you know what I'm saying? Like he needs to go somewhere where he has a chance to like, get deep into the playoffs. Maybe you have a chance to win a championship. So that's got to be somewhere in the East. Obviously, it ain't going to be in fucking Phoenix. Not with the <laughs> Warriors having the high pick and those guys getting healthy and LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, that's, I just feel like it's, that's a bad destination. What about the way, yeah, I mean, the way Phoenix finished the season, you know, I'm, I'm kind of excited about what they can be this year, but you're right. Are they going to be a championship team? Obviously not. So No, they, they look great at the end of the season. Like, they look great. I mean, they got a, they got a bunch of great young talent. Like, D-Book is nice, but he need to go somewhere where he can, you know. Actually he, win. Yeah, I don't yeah. know where that destination is, but it's got to be in the East. Maybe it's Miami. Yeah. Maybe it's Philly if they have some, some pieces to trade them. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, I could see him looking good in either of those places. You know, I, I'm trying to think of where else might be. And, and Miami does still have some young talent, you know. Well, mm-hmm. uh, I can't think of an obvious great fit. But one Me thing, either. Right? Uh, like, there's no obvious great fit, but, I mean, OKC wasn't a great fit either. Yeah, but, you're right. Like, he made that shit a great fit, you know. He's, he's a winner. And the other thing is we talk about him like he's 95. The guy is, he's only 35 years old. I mean, he yeah. can still make a difference on teams for a while, as we saw last year. So, yeah, I like that. See, I agree. I, Watch him end up with the Lakers. Man, oh, my goodness. The funny thing is, he'd actually be great on that team. Watch but, him end up with the Lakers. Oh, man. How about what you I got mean, next? Rico, you'd be a yeah. great point guard on that team, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I, my, I, I get a different ne- ring. I'll get a different <laughs> ring. <laughs> my next thing in heat is... Uh, 
I want to give Donnie Baseball some love, man. I mean, him obviously, you know, taking the Marlins to the playoffs. Yeah. You know, COVID-stricken team that was down for how many ever days. Like, you know, being able to win manager of the year, I think that's huge, man. And, and you know, taking that Marlins franchise. And, you know, like I said, I want to give G these props too. But, you know, Mattingly winning, winning manager of the years, I think is, is a huge honor for sure. That's awesome. I love Donnie Baseball. I love Donnie Baseball. And he is probably the greatest Yankee who didn't win a World Series. He is beloved by a generation of Yankee fans. Mm-hmm. You know, he was Jeter to them, except for didn't have the October experiences that, mm-hmm. that Jeter did. But David Cohn, to this day, still says the loudest he's ever heard Yankee Stadium was Don Mattingly running out for warmups the first uh, home playoff game the Yankees played in 1995, which was Don Mattingly's first ever playoff game in the Bronx. And he was like, it sounded like the whole thing, place was just going to come down. That's as, crazy. Yeah, as he's running out for warm-ups. Yeah, yeah which is awesome. Sad. And and I'm I'm happy for him too. See, people acted a couple years ago like somehow it was his fault that like that team wasn't winning. And I'm so yeah. glad. Like, I'm glad Jeet kept him, and I'm glad Mattingly proved him right for keeping him. For sure. All right, what's your final sling and heat here, see? My final sling and heat is more of a question. Is MLB, they're going to get their shit together. Like, you know, NBA got their stuff together. They got free agency coming up. You know, the season's starting on the 22nd. You know, is baseball going to be able to get this agreement together where they're going to be able to, like, put a timeline together to be able to, to like, start an offseason, you know, have guys be on a normal schedule to get ready to to actually fucking play? Like, like what, what do you think what's going to happen with MLB? I certainly hope so, man. I mean, I think what we've all seen uh, during the pandemic is if you're able to work, that's a blessing, right? As much as we are all, uh, you know, reeling with and dealing with the health ramifications of COVID, there are, you know, so many people who are struggling with the unintended consequences of, you know, how we've had to handle COVID, right? And, yeah. and and economically, it has just it's just devastated people. Um, and uh, and so I think if you're in a profession that actually can pull this off, you need to find a way to pull it off. Like I, there to me, neither side gets any sympathy if they cannot come to some sort of agreement. I understand that it's a unique challenge, mm-hmm. but it's it's one you have to meet because it would be a ridiculous shame to have the technological means you need to be able to put on a safe product and to let the economics be the reason you don't play rather than the health and safety, right? Like when it was health and safety, I got it because Mm -hmm. I understand if people aren't comfortable, I totally get it. Um, But the economics to me, you have to figure it out. That's why you're paid the big bucks on both sides. It's not just, you're not just paid that to be right when you're a negotiator, right? It's not about you being right. It's about you being able to make the other side see your perspective and come to an agreement. And so I put it on both the union and the league to be able to do that, man. Yeah, I hope so. And I mean, it it was great. I mean, do you think that these other leagues are able to say, okay, fuck it, we'll play with no fans because their TV revenue is so high? Like maybe it's higher than some of these, like consistently than baseball because it is so many games and, you know, football plays once a week and, I mean, NBA is just such a great product. So everybody's going to watch that shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? Do you? I mean, I do, I do know what you're saying with the like 
the the revenue shortfall compared to what would normally happen is still in the billions in all the leagues. Yeah, of course. Regardless. Of course. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but you're right. Like in the NFL, a higher percentage of the revenue comes from television than is the case for Major League Baseball. Yeah, for sure. Is that the case in the NBA too or not? I don't know what the NBA split is. That's that's a good question. And it's different for certain arenas, right? Because like certain I know certain teams that they're they're hauling in, you know, their their profit is in the millions per game, right? And it's like that is a significant number for your gate, but it varies from team to team, right? Depending on how many seats you sell, the pricing, the market, whatever. But it's still, I mean, it's a significant number. I don't know the exact split between TV revenue and uh, and gate revenue when it comes to basketball and if it's where it fits compared to baseball and football. But it, no matter what, it's a it's a big number. But what I like is, you know, the NBA has shown us. I think they've shown us sort of um, a very collaborative path to these labor agreements in in recent years, right? Um, and so the fact that they were able to get this done with a really short window, like they didn't have a long time. Their season uh, just this, ended, you yeah, know? Yeah, they like, got this done quick. Yeah, and so that to me puts more of an onus on baseball, right? Because baseball has more time to figure this out. If the NBA could do it, you need to But they to do really it. don't. No, they, they need to... Because like, you're I, saying because of the offseason? Yeah, like let yeah. guys like under, like get an understanding of what's going to happen. Like how you going to train or, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's just, you know, get some kind of normalcy to an offseason. I mean, that's, you know, guys would, would really appreciate that. I, I mean, I think. Yeah. Well, I, I hope they get it done sooner than later so that we can have a normal offseason, uh, especially with some good vaccine news, courtesy of Pfizer, man. Maybe, who knows, maybe the spring and early summer looks a little better than people thought. I think we're going to have a rough couple months here still with cases spiking out the wazoo and, you know, basically no attention being paid to it uh, federally right now. But yeah. I, I, I do, I do believe that uh, there is, there's a, there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that's a good thing, man. So maybe, maybe you do get fans. I surely in the hope so, man. I surely yeah. hope so. Yeah. Maybe you do get fans in the stands. All right. See today we get to talk to Dominic Smith, outstanding young player for the New York Mets. I think our audience is really going to enjoy this conversation. Yeah, for sure, man. Just like, you know, giving you some insight into a young player and, and you know, him, you know, kind of like, you know, taking that next step and in, to turn it into that all-star player and, you know, growing up in this market and, you know, dealing with this media, um, you know, he gives you a real, you know, a real great look in, in, into how he dealt with all of that and, and a great perspective, something that I, I know as a young player I wouldn't have been able to do. Uh, it was great listening to him. Yeah, so without further ado, here is the incredibly impressive and ultra-talented Dominic Smith. Thank you for having me on. My brother's been talking about this podcast for like a couple of years now. He's like, hey, you got to actually be on. I'm like, uh, that's what's up. Dude, hopefully one day, one day I'll be on. So I'm finally on here. Hey, I love hearing that, man. I love hearing that. And we just dive right in, Dom. So, I mean, when you say something like that, just know that's making the episode. <laughs> that's right. He's going to be happy. Yeah, yeah Ruka yeah, loves yeah. the reviews and shit, bro. He be paying yeah. for the reviews and the ratings yeah, and shit after. So, I mean, <laughs> I guess that's a big deal with the podcast. So, that's definitely. That's just probably going to be a commercial. 
<laughs> that's right. That's right. Would you give us a very organic internal review, if you will, from your family? We leave that in the pod. We make sure to include that. Uh, so, I mean, so Dom, it's it's great to have you on. You're coming off an amazing season. I I I, I know it was a it was a short year, and I'm sure a weird year. But let's just start with. Your year, you're 25 years old. You really blossomed this season. How were you able to focus and get the results that you were in such a strange, unorthodox season? I think one thing that I learned, um, I want to say a year and a half ago, that really helped my career take off was, you know, controlling the things I can control and not putting uh, the, the emotions, the effort, the emphasis on just things out of my control. And I knew that um, I wanted to play a season this year. So I prepared uh, like we were going to play season. I knew it was a lot of times where we didn't think we were going to play. Um, so to actually get out there and then just focus on, okay, every day, I know it's going to be a weird year. I know we're going to have to deal with the COVID protocols and not having fans and, you know, being separated from each other. And we just knew it wasn't going to be a fun year, but to, to kind of just separate that and not put my energy and focus in that. I just want to come in every day and, and prepare and, and try to help, you know, the Mets win um, every game that we possibly could. And that was my only focus was getting better every day, helping my team win, and um, just leaving it all out there on the field. Man, it just seemed like, you know, so much. I mean, that, that just seemed like so much to be going through, focusing, like, you know, everything that's going on off the field, socially stuff that we was going through. I mean, you know, you walking off the field in a huge moment, like, that I mean, it was just so much going on, and you was just still banging and shining through it all that, playing out of position, playing left field, playing the great left field. Like it was just amazing to watch, man. Congratulations on everything that happened this year, and in such a tough year where I mean, you know, traveling around and stuck in the hotel and not being able to hang out, like that's rough, man. You know, playing this game. So I mean, I, I you know, I get it. So I mean, I, I you know, I commend you on, on you know being able to to come out and, and have, you know, the type of season that you did and set yourself up for the rest of your career, for sure. I really appreciate that. I mean, I mean, like you guys said, it wasn't easy. You know, it was tough. It was uh, just a weird year. It was a long, it's, a, it's been a long year, you know, for me personally. Um, just with everything that's going on in the world, everything that went on on the field and still that is currently going on in the world. So um, it, it's just definitely, um, it was just good to, actually step on the field and, and, and kind of just feel at home again. Uh, baseball is just a place where, you know, I kind of feel at home and I could just get away from all the stresses and all those things that, you know, we kind of uh, just think about on a daily basis. So I, it was definitely fun to get back out there and play. Um, but, it, I mean, it was not easy. It was definitely tough. And, uh, I mean, I felt for, you know, a lot of my teammates because, you know, it, it could have went the opposite way. Um, you know, this year was a weird year. I mean, we had 60 games to play well. It could have started, you know, I could have started bad the first couple of weeks, and we're not talking about. So, I mean, it's definitely something that uh, I'm very appreciative for and happy for. And, you know, I just feel for some of the guys who, uh, who didn't have the, the outcome they wanted. What, what was the hardest part about this season, Dom? I think the hardest part was um, just scheduling and then, like, getting – as many games in without the days off and stuff like that. Mets pretty tough. We personally, the Mets, we had a, a COVID scare where we had to uh, shut down our, our season for four days and go do um, intensive COVID testing, you know, every day for two weeks. But uh, that, was, that was pretty tough for us because once we started playing again, you know, we were playing 
you know, 15 games in a row with yeah. and uh, 13 days and stuff like that. So, you know, we had double headers on top of each other and uh, position player wise, you know, we didn't get too much, you know, breaks out there. Um, and it was really tough as a hitter too, because, you know, the bullpen are deeper and they're playing matchups, you know, longer mm. throughout the game. So, yeah. I mean, it, it was just a, it was <laughs> a year uh, full of grinds. And I mean, for, for, for it to be 60 or 60 game season, I mean, it, it definitely felt like 162 games. Hey, yo, you're the first player that we got to talk to after the season. Uh, did you like the the, the seven inning double headers or and like the putting the runner at second base uh, late in the or what was it after the tenth inning? Because everybody's yeah, been asking so, me. You know, I don't play anymore, so yeah, I can get my opinion. Yeah. But like you were actually playing yeah. in those games. What you what you think about that? Like you know, keeping those rules and the DH. The seven inning double headers, I absolutely love them. I mean, <laughs> and I think. <laughs> 90% of the players would agree with me. Um, you know, that's just, it's, I mean, nine innings, three hours, sometimes three and a half, four hour games, though, they're just tough on your body you, to play two of those in one day. I mean, that sets up a long week, a long two weeks, a long month. Um, so I think the seven inning double hitters were, you know, great. You know, we got to get in, get out. Um, the putting the runner on second base and extra inning. I don't like that one so much. I mean, that one is so tough. Um, you know, just putting that much pressure, you know, on a bullpen guy right off the bat. I mean, it's hard to get guys out if it is. So to just add that extensive pressure on him, I mean, it just made it tough, you know, as a as a team, especially being on defense out there and then having to come in and then score a couple runs. I mean, I didn't I didn't like it. I'd rather just let us play, you know, extra innings and bang it out and figure it out that way. Um, the DH. Now that's also something that I like a lot. And uh, <laughs> I know a lot of true diehard NL fans, uh, they're going to uh, beg to differ and, and say that uh, the pitcher should hit. But, I mean, giving a, a guy an everyday start or a bench guy an everyday, you know, job, yeah, uh, I think that's pretty good for our league and then as well. It would really just keep pitchers, you know, more healthy. I mean, it is it's fun for the fans too. Like, don't nobody want to watch yeah. the fucking pitcher hit. <laughs> I don't give a, and I and I was a hidden pitcher. Don't nobody want to see that shit, man. We we for me, I want to see somebody that can actually go deep. You know what I'm saying? Like, I like it more offense for me, man. More offense. Yeah, it's it's so funny because even the pitchers who hit don't even want to hit. That's what so I'm saying. Like, like, are you making them do something they don't even want to do? Especially on a hot day and then I walk, I got, you got to yeah. run the base oh, and shit. Oh, exactly. fuck that. Like, <laughs> like, seriously, like, no, I agree. Hopefully we can keep that. Well, I mean, it's more specialized than ever at earlier levels too, right? Like, I mean, these it's not like, it's not like these dudes are hitting their whole life and then all of a sudden they get to the big leagues and they're asked not to. No, they're no. being told not to hit anymore in high school yeah. when you're a great pitcher. There's a whole pitcher. generation of POs yeah. right now that, are, that were 12. You know what I'm saying? Where pitchers no, only at 12. Yeah. There's a whole generation of guys in the big leagues right now that have yeah. never swung a fucking bat. And you want them to go hit the National League? Like, yeah. come on, man. Is that, is, that, is that what they're called? POs? Is yeah, that a thing? Pitcher POs. Pitcher only. Yeah. They just text me like, yeah, we have like 12 POs coming to the camp this weekend. And I'm like, <laughs> in high school? Like, in high school? No. Like, Before high school now, bro. That's I'm crazy. telling you. Before That's high school. Well, well, let me ask you both this. Dom, we'll start with you. What do you think about that? About specialized... About, I'll get back to the DH. Yeah. I agree with you both that it should be in the NL, and obviously it benefits your team. I think 
in particular, Dom, oh, yeah, with, sure. the, with you yeah, and Pete yeah. and everything. Yeah. But, but what about the idea of specializing that early? When you hear that a 12-year-old is being told to only pitch, what's your reaction, Dom? I don't like it, personally. Um, only because let the kids, you know, be an athlete and go out there and play different positions. And pitching is like one of the most strenuous activities you can do on the baseball field. You know, right now they're teaching a lot of max effort, you know, throw as hard as you can. And I just feel like that's just not going to hold it up. Um, I know doctors who did studies who said, you know, fastball is, is harder when you're ECL than, than throwing a proper curveball. You know what I'm saying? So wow. just knowing some of that type of stuff and knowing that, you know, nine times out of 10, if you're, you know, trying to showcase as a pitcher as a high school kid, you're at a lot of events, you're throwing in front of scouts, you're throwing with time. When you get on pro ball, same thing. They're throwing every day. And, I mean, I applaud, you know, the pitchers who go out there every day who, you know, pitch, play catch, because I play first base. And <laughs> I can't get this with Like, it kills me after two throws every day. So, But it's just, it's just very hard on the body. So to see that sustain at a young age and, and, and have a successful career, I mean, without injury, it's just going to be tough to see in my opinion. And Dom is, you know, speaking for ex- from expert because, you know, he's got the baseball generations. Actually, that my son, you know, my 17-year-old is going out to California this week. We flying out tomorrow to go to his uh, to his All-Star game. So, yeah. um, you know, he's around these kids and know these kids. Like, I'm just now diving into that space. But I agree. I mean, there's no chance. Like, especially the way they pitch it, they teach him pitching now. Like you said, max effort. Like, these kids, you got to be, like, you got to be from the ground up to be able to to do with these, what some of these coaches are asking these kids to do. So it just puts all the strain on the shoulder and the elbow way too early. And, and yeah, you're right. I mean, I haven't talked to no doctors, but the way these kids are throwing, it's got to be harder to throw a fastball than, than the way that, you know, you throw a curveball now. Like, because most kids don't even throw, most kids don't even throw a curveball. They throw a, 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 a four-seamer and a hard slider. You know what I'm saying? So it's all right here. It's crazy. Exactly. And I mean, a lot of kids don't even know how to use their body or the proper mobility or the way their body should move. So like you said, I mean, all that max up is growing and they're just causing just way more stress on that elbow. No good. But I think I I think that is why it leads to why there's like I always say the starting pitching now is just a, a bunch of middle relievers. You know what I'm saying? Nobody can really go deep into the game. Everybody only goes four or five innings. They take them out of the game. It's, it's just a bunch of middle relievers now that, you know, you got a few starters, Bauer, Sonny, uh, Cole, obviously, you know what I'm saying? But the way they even treat, um, you know, uh, Snell. Snell. Like, yeah, it's crazy, yeah, yeah, yeah. man. It's crazy. Yeah. It's, just, it's just weird the way they treat these guys. You know, I, I would think, too, there's also something about the way you, I think, develop athletically when you're playing multiple sports, right? Like, I mean, I know that was something Joe Girardi used to drill that, that he thought maybe the biggest issue with all the injuries we were seeing nowadays was, you know, the fact that you're not building up ancillary muscles, so to speak, kind of what you were talking about, see, with building from the ground up, right? Like, you're not building anything else if you're you're just doing one thing over and over again. But then if you specialize even beyond that, obviously it takes it to another degree, but it's also mentally, right? Like if I'm being told at 12 years old or 13 years old or 14 years old, like this is what you're doing. This is who you are. That's hard mentally. Like, I don't know. You're still kind of trying to figure it out. Right. Dom, what were you like at 12, 13 years old as you were, as you were playing sports? 
12, I was trying to play the main sports that I could. I just wanted to fall in love with baseball. And, I mean, even on the field, I was left-handed, but I was begging the coaches to put me all over the field. I fought <laughs> all the way through high school. I pitched. I played outfield, first base. And even in some tournaments at 13 years old, I would play a little third base. But wow. that's just, you know, what I wanted to do. I just wanted to, you know, continue to just develop as an all-around just good player um, as one. But, I mean, I, I loved it. I, I couldn't just play one position. That's just something that I, I just couldn't do. I wouldn't let it happen. And, and the, the best part about baseball is hit a fucking home run. So, like, you want to hit. You know what I'm saying? Like, hit as long as you can. Because if you're going to pitch, it, like, if you're going to pitch and pitch in the big leagues, you're going to do it for a long And that's all you're going to ever do is pitch and play catch and all that shit. Hit as long exactly. as you can, man. Like, don't let nobody take the bat out of your hand, especially before you fucking 16, 17 years old, man. I agree. For real. Add a little excitement to your sports watching experience by betting on all the action on FanDuel Sportsbook this football season. There's a reason why FanDuel is America's number one sportsbook. Their app is simple to use. They've got great odds on all different betting markets, unique, fun bet types like same-game parlay, and exclusive always-on promotions to let you get more action out of every game day. And if you win, they even get your winnings to you safely in as little as 24 hours. Right now, FanDuel is letting you place your first bet risk-free up to $1,000. Just place a bet on any game, and FanDuel will refund you up to $1,000 back if you don't win your first bet. Seriously, there are no strings attached. Just place any bet you want. If you win, you keep the cash. If you lose, you'll get your entire bet up to $1,000 back in site credit. I mean, it's an unbelievable deal. See, um, you know, we've been going to you for these game picks, but I, I feel like you might uh, be taking a break here. Listen, I lost every fucking bet last week. <laughs> I've never in my life lost every fucking bet I placed last week. And since I've been picking this fucking pick on this uh, for the FanDuel, I've, I've been I've been steering our fans wrong fucking direction. So <laughs> the shit's just getting it's just like howling. It, it's just you know it's just getting worse and worse. So I'll let you make the pick this week because I'm 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 so fucking domed up. I, I love your your honest assessment of your recent performance. Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to take the Giants. I know they're my team, so normally you don't want to do That's that. That's a terrible fucking pick. I'm taking the Giants plus three and a half at home against the Eagles. Uh, I'm telling you, the Giants have played tight games against good teams. I would not classify the Eagles as a good team. Giants should have won in Philly last time they played. He's just, a, he's hey. just like a homer, hey, 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 wait till I they win. I would never take your advice for a bet. Hey, hey. Well, <laughs> well, 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 our audience clearly shouldn't be taking your advice either. So. I, and I'm going to take the over 20 and a half points for the Giants. That's my same game parlay. So I'm going Giants plus the three and a half. Giants over the 20 and a half. That's what I'm going with. Uh, of course you would. Yes. So... We'll see. We know. C I'll be back next week because they're gonna lose this week too, all so right. they're gonna want me back. We'll just alternate. That's fucking terrible. We'll, we'll we alternate. Need start, we need to start keeping score. We do. We do. We'll keep score. Who does? Who does better? We hopefully our audience is hearing us and doing the opposite. But this week, really, <laughs> I, I, I feel good about this. If you've never tried FanDuel Sportsbook, what are you waiting for? Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started, and be sure to sign up with promo code R2C2 so they know that we sent you. That's FanDuel Sportsbook promo code R2C2. 
21 plus and present in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, West Virginia, Indiana, Colorado, Iowa, Tennessee. First online real money wager only. Site credit is non-withdrawable and expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See sportsbook.fanduel.com for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700, Colorado. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, or Illinois. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee. Or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. Dom, with the DH, do you think, will you guys be vocal about how important it is to you to keep that in the National League? I think we are. Um, I think, you know, talking to other guys around the league, um, playing in the NL uh, against other teams and stuff like that, I mean, we all we all loved it. Um, just, you know, especially even being an everyday guy, you know, we don't get days off in the NL. Um with the old rules because once the pitcher comes out, if it was your day off, you're going on a pinch hit. Or if the pitcher is struggling through three innings, four innings, now you're going into a double switch. So mentally, you never had a mental break playing in the NL. So the fact that, you know, if we adapted the age, guys could get more days off mentally and physically. And at the same time, they can get a DH day, which is kind of like a day off too as well. So you get to rest your body even more. So, I think it just benefits everybody, keeps the pitchers healthy and safe, and just focus on pitching because, like Cece said, I mean, the pitchers don't want to get out there and start running bases and having to worry about diving and sliding and scoring from second. I mean, it's just they rather just go out there and strike guys out. You know, I know we have some special guys in our league. I'm not going to take nothing away from those guys. They do it really well. I mean, we have Brendan out there. We have Otani. Um, so, uh, I mean, I'm not taking it away from those guys, but – I'm sure the majority, especially the pitcher I'm around, you know, they they rather just go on that hill and, and give us what they got. Yeah, but if, if they had the DH in the National League, Lorenzo, he could DH. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly, exactly. Like, let him DH a couple days, like let like yeah. Otani do. You know what I'm saying? Like, seriously, seriously, if, yeah. If he can swing it like that, like let him DH. Yeah. For real, I agree. Yeah, that's why I think it's a win-win for 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 us and the league. I mean, like you said, fans want to see offense. Like they want to see us. Scoring runs, I mean, yeah, low-scoring games, like, that's that's the beauty of baseball. That's why, you know, baseball is the best sport in the world. But, I mean, like you said, and in the game, do you want to see a pitcher go there and hit or a position player? I mean, you want to see a position player go. Man, 2-1 to one is just like 11-12. to 12. Shit, same. It's just, <laughs> it's just exciting, bro. Exactly. You, you, know, exactly. you know what it reminds me <laughs> exactly. of? Like, it, it, the watching a pitcher hit, with few exceptions, reminds me of the old extra point in football, right? Yeah. Like, you you know exactly what's going to happen. Stude's going to get out. It wastes all of our time. It's not something that's a competitive moment, by and large. Yeah. And it's a fait accompli that's, that's just, a, it's a waste of all of our time. So I would much rather see someone who can actually do damage in there. And back when I pitched in the National League was 2008. It's lineups are, are constructed different now, but it would be like seven, eight, and nine. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like I'd be looking at them when I got the Milwaukee. I'd be looking at them lineups. You're going to eat, man. You're going to eat. Fuck that up. Like seven, eight, nine every time I'm getting them out. Right? <laughs> 
Oh, oh for nine with seven strikeouts. I'm definitely getting these motherfuckers out every time. <laughs> you know, Dom, you I, I want I want our audience to hear your stats from this season, okay? Because they were glorious. You 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 had a monster year. You hit 316 with a 377 on base percentage, an absolutely absurd 616 slugging, a 993 OPS, which is just you know ridiculously good. And you had 10 home runs, 42 ribbies uh, in your 50 games. It also, it came after last season where it was 89 game sample size, but you really, I mean, you played well last year. You're 282, 355, 525 slash with an 881 OPS. You had the 11 homers in 89 games. Did you see what you did this season and say, okay, that was the natural progression for me as a young player. This is what I expected. Or did it feel like, something significant changed. You talked before about how you really were able to focus on what you could control. Did this feel like part of the natural evolution and you you felt like this was definitely coming this year? Or did you surprise yourself at all? Yeah, no, um, this is something that I, I worked extremely hard for. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of, I knew it was coming. You know, I put in the work um, and it's just something that was funny. I mean, I talked to, you know, my training staff, my agency, you know, last offseason when I first started working out. And I said, hey, the All-Star game is in L.A. and I'm going to be in it. And, you know, when I talk like that, you know, they know I'm pretty serious because I'm going to just go out and say stuff like that. And, you know, my, my close family, my inner circle, they know uh, my dedication to the sport, how hard I work and the time I put in. It's just that the outside world really doesn't know. So it might be a shock and surprise to them, but this was a progression that I've always seen and something that, you know, I knew was coming just because of, like you said, last year I played well, I got my feet wet. Um, I'm still learning. Like, I'm not saying that I know everything, but um, I just kind of figured out what it took to be successful at the big league level, how to be consistent up there, um, just really learn my routine and just how to be a, a good big league, a really good big league player. So um, I just wanted to carry that on into this season and just continue to learn, which I, you know, did and I'm still learning this offseason and I'm preparing to even have a better year next year. But that's just how my mental approach is uh, just every year. Every year I always look back and I, I see things that I could build upon and, and get better. And that's what I shoot for. And, you know, I texted my manager a couple of weeks ago. I said, hey, like, like I'm going to want to go glove next year. You know, it's unacceptable that, you know, my defense is where it's at and, and where they label it. And that's something that I know I can improve on because I'm a way better defender than what I'm labeled. So just things like that, that, you know, I've always played with a tip on my shoulder and I've always, you know, had to grind for what I got. I come from South Central LA, so nothing was ever handed to me. So this is just something that, you know, I take pride in and I just want to continue to serve what I can do it. Yeah, but if you was playing in a natural position, you would have been one of Go Glove. I'm just saying. So <laughs> that, that is what it is. But can you speak to a little bit like to, to like like growing in New York as a young player too? Because yeah. that's yeah. got to be something different. Like growing up in this market, like this is this is yeah. tough. You know what I'm saying? Like everything is in the news. Everything is reported. And yeah. like, can you speak to that a little bit? Growing up in that, like like what was what is that like? Yeah, I definitely had a uh, you know my ups and downs in New York, um, especially coming up. Um, as a young ball player being out of shape and playing subpar baseball and you know like you said this this media this market these fans you know they're the best fans in the world and they're very passionate about you know baseball and winning and you know they they let me know about it they let me know on social media <laughs> they let me know every day at the park 
you know, they they really you know laid into me, and I could have went two ways right there. And I see players all the time in New York, and I, I could see if they're going to make it or not just by their body language, by their attitude, by the way they respond to just negative things, the way they respond to you know the outside world looking in at them, and um, that's just something that you know, like I said, I could have went the way of soaking and you know deleting my social media and not engaging with them and just really going to a deep depression or I can prove these fans, you know, wrong and actually take a step back and look in the mirror and see if I'm handling my business right. In New York, if you handle your business, if you play hard and play well, they're going to love you. And if you can be a man and take a step back, look in the mirror and say, okay, I need to clean this up. I need to clean that up. I need to clean this up and go and clean it up and handle it. They'll adore you and they'll love you. So, I think that was the biggest thing. I had to take a step. I had to take a step back, look myself in the mirror, and really take a self-assessment and really adjust uh, my career, my life, my body, my habits. And um, from then on, I mean, obviously the play changed, and you know, now they they adore me and they they like me. They they want me to be around. I mean, I've heard the blues got a town smooth, you know. So. It, it's fun. I love it. I mean, even to this day, I mean, they still, they're, they're just a very passionate, loving fan base. And, you know, you got to love it. You have to definitely have some thick skin because they're going to let you know about it. But that's what comes with it, you know? Again, though, com- I mean, you know, commend you again for, for being able to take that step back at such a young age. Like, yeah. you know, most young players ain't, are not willing to do that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. that's, I mean, that's, that's the rough thing to do, especially, like I said, in this market, because these fans, they are the best fans in the world, but they're going to hold you accountable. They're going to make yeah. sure. Like, yeah. I used to be in the in the weight room working out on the treadmill and shit and be like, I, like, I can't get in the middle of July and, and not be exactly. ready to pitch because these motherfuckers will boo you off the mat. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So, yes. No, that, I, have like, current, I have teammates on the current roster now who, like, deleted social media accounts, like, just because they can't take it. And yeah. it's like, wow, like, guys who play well. And you'll be surprised. Like, no way. Like, like why are you even worried about this and that? But I mean, they, they're definitely going to hold you accountable for sure. Like but see, Ruth, this is who ends right. up being like your leader in, in your clubhouse because he's been through like the fire. Not everybody comes up and like catches fire and mm-hmm. like New York loves you. Mm-hmm. Like somebody that can be able to take a step back and like see players like that, that's who ends up being, you know, like the cornerstone and the leader in your clubhouse. That's a great point because now, Dom, you're going to be able to say to guys, hey, I've been through this. I've heard this. I've dealt with the booze. I've debated the leading social and media. And they've seen it. They can yeah. see it. Like, he's going to the office. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's putting yeah. up the numbers and shit. Yeah. So he's been through all of it. Like, that's that's who ends yeah. up. The, that's who the guys go to more is what I'm, you know, what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah. That No, that makes sense. I, this this is interesting to me. C and I talk a lot about social media and how we do or don't consume it and what comments we do or don't read. Uh, but uh, <laughs> uh, how many guys are, like, the first thing they do when they get in the clubhouse. Oh, uh, yeah. Is it, is it in game? Is it right after the game? How many guys, the first thing they do is they're seeing what people are saying about them on social media. Oh yeah. We have, we have quite a bit um, guys who do it. And like you said, in game, they'll go do it. And it's like, yeah. bro, the game is still going on. Like what you doing? Like, <laughs> Rico, you, a like, I, I would always be DMing you right after the game. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'll be, I'll be, 
Bro, you be right on social. I be right on my phone after the game. During the game, like when I come out of the game, I'm like sitting in my locker taking yeah. my yeah. flight. Yeah, but see, but see, you're on your you're on your personal account, which which yeah, you, which, which you just post stupid yeah. shit. It's not like yeah. it's it's memes and it's you know it, it, it's LeBron's hairline and the Raiders. It's, not, <laughs> it's nobody talking about the cutter you. The cutter you should have thrown. Uh, that's but, true. That's uh, true. That's but true. so, but Dom, are, I, I, I mean, people, they're they're looking to see what people are saying about the game they're having, right? No, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, looking at to see, you know, what B writer is saying this about them, what you know, what the fans are saying about this play they didn't make, or if they struck out. I'm like, man, who cares? Are these guys signing your checks? Like, who cares? Like. I mean, some guys are really, really caught up in, like I said, things that they can't control. But that's a tough. That's a tough thing, though. Like, especially when, you, like, for me, like I know there's other markets where you don't have to go through that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So there's other markets where you can grow up, and I'm grateful that, like, I got a chance to to be able to first one not have social media when I was young, and two grow up in a in a, in a small market where there were only two B writers and. You know, I knew their names just because it was only two. Like when I got here, like it's so many guys in the clubhouse, dog. Like yeah. it's hard to know. Like you know what I'm saying? And you want to? I mean, if you want to engage and stuff, but it just it make it turns it into a business for you right away as soon as you step into a New York sports clubhouse locker room situation. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, 100%. Yeah, I like your uh, Dom. I like your philosophy of it. Seems like you can. You can brush away the comments. You you don't get too invested in them. Right. I wish I could be like that. I mean, it's no winning, in my opinion. In my mind, you can't win with them. Like, <laughs> they, they won because, one, you reply back. I mean, you're yeah. going to make them feel dumb. You're going to make them feel dumb, and then they're going to be like, oh, thanks for replying. Like, like it's just, I don't know. It's, it's just no winning. It's no winning. <laughs> and then the ones who argue back, like, they're just so, it's, it's terrible. Like, I don't yeah. know. But, or, or you get the one, or you say something back. And they're like, oh, no, I'm a huge fan. I, 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 yeah. I, I love you. Yeah, that's the one that's like, like, come on, bro. Like, make up your mind. Yeah, yeah. Make up your mind. You know what's interesting about it is we all are addicted, right? We're The social media was created quite literally, algorithmically to addict us, knowing the way we work chemically in the brain, et cetera. And then we sort of consciously justify it by saying, and I'm sure all of us have done this at some point, well, I have this because I'm a public figure. I kind of need to have it. Like, you know, it can be a money-making route or a promotional tool or whatever. But if we honestly were going to sit back like, and, and be honest with ourselves, how many times do you go on social media and feel better than you did the moment before you opened that app? I mean, it's almost never. It's almost yeah, never, right? Say, like, I've never yeah. felt better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, like, like <laughs> what kind of idiots are we that we constantly yeah. do something that makes our life yeah. worse? For <laughs> real. <laughs> you know, I mean, but we're all addicted. So anyway, Dom, I'm glad it seems like you have a better handle on it than some of your teammates. But uh, <laughs> how about you guys got, you had, and I want to ask you about your camp too, but you have, you had huge news today with the Mets because today, your new owner, uh, Steve Cohn, was officially uh, introduced and and you know held a press conference. I'm wondering, as a player, was it something you were locked into? 
if so, what was your reactions to it? And just what have your reactions been to the change uh, in ownership and how jacked up this multi-billionaire is to be the owner of this team? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um, I was working out during the press conference. I did see him talking. Um, I couldn't hear the TV was muted, but I went on Twitter. I saw some of the comments he made. And I mean, obviously, you know, reading those comments to make you extremely, you know, excited and, and super happy. I mean, one, I mean, you have an owner who wants to come in and, you know, he wants to get after it. And, you know, he made a lot of strong statements today. I'm excited to see what he's going to do. I don't know what he's going to do, but he's going to make a splash. Um, Sandy Anderson gave me a call the other day and uh, we just talked for a little bit. So just to, to hear from, you know, the new front office, it's pretty cool. Um, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what move they're going to make. But, I mean, I don't I don't know much about him. I really don't, but I'm excited because he's a diehard Mets fan. He said he has a lot of money. He wants to spend it. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great combo. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's 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 nice when you're coming off a nearly a thousand OPS season when you got an owner like that. Man. Exactly, exactly. I gotta keep it up. I gotta keep it up. I mean, I would imagine though, and see you experience this going to the Yankees, right? There's got to be something as a player, and see, I let you know. I ask you first because you you had it with the Steinbrenner family. There's got to be something as a player where it just it frees you up mentally and it excites you to know, hey. There are no limitations, right? There's there's no parameters financially. If there's someone we really want, we can go get them. Oh uh, yeah, I mean that that's that's a draw. Like and and you know, especially in this market, like the Mets should be that. You you know what I'm saying? Like they should be like the Yankees and and you know, being in New York City. So yeah, absolutely. Like I mean, I, I remember the night Cash came to my house and you know, I, I agreed to come here and he was like, oh yeah, we're probably gonna get Tech Sherry and we're gonna get AJ. I was like, gosh, damn, like, is there anybody that we're not, you know what I'm saying? And then the next year we trade for Curtis. Like, it's just always like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was, there's always the the next person. I mean, even get signing Garrett Cole. Like, that's exciting. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm part of the family, so I'm always looking for the next. Like, whoever we can get, let's get them. Like, you know, like, people always are, you know, call us the evil empire and mad outside looking in. But for me, it's just, you know, more wins, more championships. That's and. and and I know that's what Met fans want, and that's what Met players want. And, you know, it would be great to have that in New York and have that, you know, that Subway Series, you know, be a lot of, lot more fun and, and be actually a battle and, and, you know, people can really enjoy it. Dom, do you d- does it feel like instantly there's a different energy around the franchise with this transition? Yeah, um, I, I do. A bunch of guys called me over the last four days, like, hey, you see the news, you see what's going on? Like, you ready? You excited? So... Um, I mean, me personally, I know uh, I'm excited. I know the guys are are fired up. I mean, we've been hearing this for you know a couple months now. We've been hearing rumors like, okay, you know, we like the ownership. So this is something that you know we we've been talking about, and it's here. So we want to see what he's going to do, and hopefully, uh, he brings in some guys. I mean, that's what we're hoping. If he does, I mean, look out, look out for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what's funny? 
the you kind of were choosing between two interesting but outstanding choices when it came to the ownership finalists, right? Right. Because it was like <laughs> you're either gonna have J Lo as your owner. That's <laughs> that's pretty cool, man. That's you pretty would cool. say J Lo and not right. What the yeah, fuck yeah. you talking about, guys? I'm saying J Lo. Hey, hey, they tried to put at the end. They were putting her as the, as the primary person. They were putting they were putting I'm Jennifer sure. as the primary person. But, I mean, I, I'm guessing. I'm just guessing Dom would have been a little more excited about J-Lo than A-Rod. Am I right? <laughs> oh, shit. You look like fucking J-Lo. <laughs> yeah, but, you, but you have Steve Cohen's money, so... Eh, I, I, did, I did say, I, I'm telling you, if, if Alex would have got that team, they would have won a World Series really, really fast. Hmm. I'm telling you, he's one of the smartest baseball people I've ever seen in my life. And, like, him being able to run a team like the way he sees the game, he would have he would have had y'all right too. So it would it would have been interesting to see, you know it's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome to see you know what what uh what what this guy's gonna do. But A Rod would have broke that too. Not fucking J Lo, bro. Chill out. <laughs> hey, as, as far as Dom and I are concerned, it was Jennifer's team. <laughs> but, hey, Dom, you know, you did just say, though, and I think you're right. You said, look out, because your team, it's not like watching the Jets, okay? The Jets need an ownership change. But they can have an ownership change. It's still going to take a while for that puppy to turn around. You, uh, you guys, you got talent. I mean, you have a lot of talent. You've got pitching. You've got some good core positional players. How quickly can this thing go from being, you know, okay or decent to great? Man, I mean, I could see it happening as quickly as next year. Mm -hmm. um, I know that, you know, this whole team, um, personally and, us as a team, we all, you know, had self, our own personal self-evaluations, and a lot of us wasn't happy with uh, how they performed this year. So a ton of guys are super motivated to come next year um, and to come out next year prepared and ready to go. Um, so I'm just excited to just see that hunger um, from some of the guys that I haven't seen in a little bit. So to see those guys fired up, super excited about 2021, um, I'm just, you know, excited to see what we can do. but. I think I, I think we're right there, though. I think we're right there. We we just needed a little change, and uh, and we we got some change. So I think that, that we're we're going to be fine. Like, I really do think we're going to be fine. We're going to be a good ball club, and I can't call a World Series win next year. It's like uh, I can't do that yet. But nah, but I mean, but with y'all core, like the pieces y'all got, like you said, and, and they just plug in a few a few pieces, and you get. Yeah. A healthy potentials for a whole season, and mm -hmm. you get familiar yeah. back. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. the back end of that bullpen, which is what you need yeah. to win. I think you know. I mean, y'all might, like you said. I mean, y'all be right there for sure. Exactly, and like you know, guys are just just so banged up this year. Um, just dealing with stuff in and out. Um, you know, the rotation in and out of the bullpen, and like you said, the stuff to win like that. So I definitely. You know, do think if everybody was healthy, you know, the Mets, we would have been in the playoffs this year. Um, I don't know how deep we would have went, but we would have been if we had a healthy roster to, to you know, play the season. And if we can have a healthy one next year with a couple of additions, you know, I, I think that team is going to be tough to beat. Hey, Dom, I think, you know, for our audience, uh, they're obviously familiar with your play on the field. But I think you were probably introduced to an even wider audience 
with your emotional press conference in the aftermath of the Jacob Blake shooting in late August. Uh, and then the really strong stance you took afterwards and, and the bravery you showed. And I'm wondering if, I know it's been a while now and you certainly have talked about it a lot, but I'm sure our audience is still interested in it. Just what it was like going through that period of time for you and what you were experiencing and how it sort of shaped uh, your month since then or, or or the way that it's affected you since? Yeah, I mean, going through that, it was so tough, you know, just, you know, feeling pressure from um, just outside of the league, from family members, from people who, you know, I'm really close with, people who I really care about. Um, just seeing what is kind of like a, a reoccurring thing, um, seeing African-American men getting killed by the police and the women as well um, by the police. I mean, it's just something that, you know, me personally, I mean, I have nothing against policemen. I have uncles who are sheriffs and uh, I have family in the military and the Navy. Um, so I have nothing against law enforcement or people who serve our country. Um, I don't think every officer is a bad officer, but I just felt like, you know, it, it, it just needs to be some change. I mean, for me, it, it just hits home, you know, being from, South Central LA, you know, I grew up in inner city, you know, both of my parents were, you know, on welfare at one point and I came, you know, up in poverty through that type of stuff. So um, just to finally get out and, and see just other areas of the world and how people grow up, I just felt like, you know, coming from where I come from, it, we just don't have that the same chance, the same opportunity as those people, you know, did. So after seeing Jacob Blake, I just felt like it was just time to finally stand up and, and really just make my stance because I felt like the team, you know, at that point, they weren't paying attention to our community. They didn't speak up one and say much about it. And they just wanted to proceed and keep playing baseball. And I mean, that's fine. We're gonna play, we can play baseball, but I wanna I wanna, you know, make my point and let everybody know that I'm here to stand for something which is social justice and and, and it's fair equality just for everybody, you know, it's equal rights. So that's why I took the knee. Um, it was a very emotional day for me. Um, I cried while I was taking the knee. Um, obviously, I cried after doing the press conference. And, you know, I kind of turned off my phone after that night. And uh, my phone was just crazy for about 48 hours. It was just ringing off the hook, off the hook. And, you know, my comments, my DMs, people just talking mess about me, talking mess about my family. Just, Dealing with all that type of stuff and then having to still go out and perform and play baseball. I mean, it was a, it was a rough week, but um, so many people from across the world reached out to me and showed their support. And um, they're the reason why that I was able to get through that and, and really find the strength to, to just continue on with the season and, and, and continue to play because it was, it was a tough couple of days. Uh, I didn't want the team to feel like this is about me. So the next day when we actually did run off the field, it, it was actually a shock to me. And let me tell you about that. So the night I took the knee and had the press conference, the next day, that's the night that uh, us and the Marlins ran off the field. And that day I got to the ballpark around 3 o'clock. And I got there early um, just to do some early work, hitting and stuff. So I'm about to go on the field. And our manager called me in the office and was like, hey, like, you know, everybody on the team saw press conference and you know we want to do something like we're moving like we got your back we got 
you know, we want to show the support of the black community and we want to show the support of just minorities across the world and just people who are getting caught up in just unjust activities and acts like that. So he said, I don't know what we're going to do, but you guys have a clean meeting and whatever decision y'all come up with, you know, we're, we're going to roll with it. So we had a team meeting and, you know, the whole team, they just pretty much wanted me to know that they had my back and had my hat and I had their support. So, I mean, my, I took my cap to them, my hats off to them because without them, I probably would have been miserable throughout the whole year, just, you know, having that on my conscience. So just to know that my team had my back then, um, to run off the field and, and really just, you know, show their support for, you know, me, our community, what we go through and really try to just educate themselves because after that, they started asking questions and they want to understand and just even sparking that conversation was something that, you know, I didn't think would have happened, you know, in 2020, last year, you know what I'm saying? So for, for us to move this far in this amount of time, short amount of time, I mean, I'm just extremely happy, extremely blessed, and I just want to keep pushing it forward and want to just continue to help, you know, where I come from and minority communities. Man, that's that's amazing. And, like, I'm just sitting here thinking about for you to get two Major League Baseball teams to run off the field is the unbelievable thing. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, yeah. that. like you said, no way that happens a year ago. You know what I mean? So, like, were we, you know, how far you know, everything's coming and, you know, what would you stood for taking a knee and then, you know, walking into the clubhouse and then the guys having your back, like you said, that could have, it could have been a, a a bad moment. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. obviously you got all these people, like you said, in your DMs and all that stuff. And then if you walk into the clubhouse, it's basically the same shit. You know what I'm saying? So exactly. for them guys to, to have your back and turn around and flip it, you know, that, that, that's, that's amazing, man. That's a dope. That's man. That's crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, it was super dope. Like, I'm telling you, like, I never felt those emotions, you know, in my life. You know, just, you know, I had different emotions from anxiety to just a little depression to just, you know, I just didn't know how to feel. I didn't know what to feel. And, you know, them having my back, obviously my family, and then just everybody across the world reaching out. I mean, UCC, I mean, just all you guys' kind words. I mean, it really helped me get through that time because it was tough. It was a tough time. And I and that's why I told I talked to Mookie too, and I was like I was I was so happy that he took a knee that that first day too, because then I then I felt like that opened it up for everybody else. You know what exactly. I'm saying? Like him being able to do that, take that knee that first day, like that yeah. that was huge. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and then it just it let everybody else feel comfortable to go out and and you know be able to take that stand and 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 know that you had you had that support. You know. The Players Alliance has been helping with that, too. You know, us being all together, I think, has really helped. You know, see, you've talked about this some, but I wonder, you know, hearing Dom talk about the support he had in the clubhouse in that moment, when you think back to, you know, I mean, maybe as recently as, you know, the end of your playing days, but certainly the beginning of your playing days. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you talk a lot about the dynamic of being black in a major league clubhouse. Do you feel like there is a difference between how social issues, racial injustice would be communicated about now in baseball compared to what you experienced early on or the kind of people you were around in the clubhouse? Do you think not even early on? I mean, that's just like why we it was so hard for guys to have conversations this year. 
Mm. Last year, this shit was going on and nobody wanted to talk about it. And mm. like I said, I always decided just to be a good, like I always left that shit out, out, outside for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because, and, and and like, I mean, but like the people that knew me, like the Guardies and the Hicksies and everybody else, like I'd be in, a, I, I would come in that clubhouse pissed off a lot. You know what I'm saying? Whether it was getting stopped or doing something else or seeing something. And, you know, yeah. Guardy, like sometimes I'd be sitting in my locker and Guardy be like, man, what's wrong with you? I'd be like, bro, it's hard being black, cuz. Like, it's, yeah. it's just a lot of shit on my mind. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so, yeah. like, like I would have those conversations. I just wouldn't have them out loud because I didn't want to be the angry black dude in the clubhouse all the time. Because mm. it's only, you know what I'm saying? It's only a couple of us. And, and when I was younger, it never came up and all of that shit. Like, it was totally different. But it was a lot of more black dudes in the in the league and in the clubhouse. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like on, on my on my rookie team alone, there was three you know three other older guys that I could you know go to. You know what I'm saying? So it, it was just a, it was a different league. But none of that stuff ever entered the clubhouse. Not a baseball clubhouse ever. Not until this year. And that's why it was so hard for teams to have conversations. Yeah. No, it makes sense. Well, Dom. I mean, we all uh, you know we all were definitely affected by, you know, by you, your emotions and and uh, and the stand you took. So I love that our audience is getting to hear you talk about it now. And you also mentioned, you know, a couple times you talk about growing up in South Central L.A. And I, I, obviously people have heard of South Central L.A. and and they know certain things about it. But but paint us a picture of, you know, your experience growing up there and how that has stayed with you or shaped you or motivated you through your career and where you're at now? Yeah, I think it's, it's funny because, like, when you're a kid and you're going through it, you know, everything is normal. Like, all that's normal. It's just life. You know, it's your buddies, the school you go to, it's just how you live, how you get around, how you eat, where you live. So, I mean, my, my childhood, I felt like, was pretty normal. Um, you know, I lived in L.A. Um, and, you know, played a little bit of travel ball growing up. And, um, like I said, it was easy. My parents, like, I give so much credit to my parents because um, they just kept me in positive things. Like, they always kept me in sports. They always kept me, you know, busy doing something and not just in the streets or in the hood or, you know, doing stuff like that because, you know, I got homies who do that type of stuff. Like, so it could have went both ways if my parents didn't care. And that's just how easily it can happen. You know, being born in South Central LA, like, your parents are you know, working their jobs, trying to sustain a, a living for, you know, kids. And sometimes if they're only having one parent in the household, nine times out of 10, you know, the father's not there. So, you know, a, a household of three, four, five, six kids with one mother, you know, it, it's hard for a mother to sustain a job and feed all those kids and make sure that they're going to the proper school and getting the proper clothes. So, a lot of times, these kids have to think for themselves, and that's why they end up in the streets and and picking up these, you know, bad habits and different lifestyles and stuff like that. So, like I said, I just applaud my parents because they always kept me in in, in things like baseball, basketball, sports, uh, stuff to keep me off the streets and really just. And I also fell in love with it, so um, <laughs> it, I made it. I made it super easy on them. Like I always wanted to play sports, so um, it was it was super easy for them to just drop me off at the Ernie's Academy in Compton, like, oh, go, you know, up there for a couple hours. So um, I made it easy with my parents. My my life, my childhood was pretty easy, but it was normal to me, though. When I got drafted and I left and I went on and saw the world, 
that's when it kind of like really opened my eyes. Like, <laughs> oh, this shit is, is not normal. normal. <laughs> <laughs> this is what normal living is. Like, <laughs> like helicopters flying around all the time. Police cars they flying around. You gotta look over your shoulder, make sure ain't nobody. <laughs> Like, hey, I ain't gonna lie, fun. I miss the helicopters though. That shit is like <laughs> <laughs> that's probably the only thing I miss about the hood, guys. So you played, uh, you played a lot of travel ball. Like, what inspired you to start the, the, the baseball generations? Like, you you played a lot of travel yeah. ball growing up, and, so, and... yeah, so I, I played a, a I don't say ton, but when I was like 12 or 13, that's when I kind of got into it. I played during the summer, and then I just fell in love with it, played with it all the time. But I started Baseball Generations because um, just getting older, like I said, getting older and coming back and really seeing what's going on. Like in L.A., in the inner city, like it was just no good training. It was no good places for kids to just learn about baseball or just get away, escape, and, and just be around, you know, people who want to help them become better young adults, better young women, better young men. And that's something that me and my buddies just kind of saw. And we were like, hey, like, we need to start properly giving these kids training and, and tools to help them be successful in the world instead of just letting them do whatever and all these other coaches around here, you know, stealing their money and doing this and doing that. Like, that's at least because we've been there, we played a little bit of pro ball. My buddy, uh, uh, Ron Miller, who's like more hands on there every day. He played with the Marlins, so he has a better idea on you know what these kids need to be doing every day, and that's just something that I wanted to do because a lot of these kids who live in one of your areas, they can afford a trainer, a personal trainer, and a hitting coach and a fielding coach and this and that. So we wanted to just make it for uh, more affordable for kids who you know can't afford to you know pay those big prices, and then also make it free for the kids who obviously can't afford it at all, but just so they can come out and, and, and be around us. So it started off as just uh, personal training and uh, just doing uh, these local camps and events. And that's when I would bring down some of these football guys. I'd bring down Aaron Higgs and like Jack Clarity and uh, my dad Chisholm and some of those guys. And we'll just pull up and, you know, let the kids just have a ball. You know, we we run up to a camp and we'll just, like, my biggest thing was this. This is the main reason why I wanted to start it. When I got drafted, a lot of guys, they didn't come back. They didn't show face. They didn't do anything in the inner city. And I didn't want to be that type of guy. So I'm like, no, like, you know, this is the future. This is where I come from. Like, there's so many kids here who can be the next anything in the world, let alone, you know, baseball player. Like, you can be the next president. You can be the next astronaut. You can be the next neurosurgeon like it doesn't matter you know what i'm saying so just to come back inspire those kids give them hope and let them know that i'm here that i'm tangible that you can touch me you can reach out to me you can call me like i'm not going nowhere like i got yeah, you like that's fine just to know that you know they got that from me and from you know my buddy jp crawford who, you know that's my dog man it's like you know just to have all those guys come out and us be around the kids and just give back i mean that's something that we just love to do now, Dom, if people want to uh, learn more about, you know, Baseball Generations or get involved, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, you can go to BaseballGenerations.com and um, that explains, you know, what Baseball Generations is. It has our Baseball Generations Foundation, which we just started this year. And 
you know, with all the donations from everybody out there, I really appreciate it. We're able to get, you know, 50, you know, kids laptops for this semester already. And we're still planning on doing more. And um, it just goes back to what we're trying to do. You know, we're trying to make sure these kids have access to the best possible resources they can. And we just want to make sure that they're becoming the best possible self and their version of themselves. So uh, that's all we want to do. We want to just continue to inspire and help these kids. Dom, you're a ridiculously impressive guy, man. I was just about to say, Cass, he's one of the best guests we ever had. Huh? <laughs> I swear to God. I, I, I'm telling you. A hundred percent. Your brother's going to like hearing that clip. From <laughs> oh, man. Shout out DeAndre Walden. Hey, I love you, bro. Look, we got you on here. I know you wanted it. You got on it. You made the show. <laughs> Seriously, Dom. I mean, I you what you're you're a ridiculously impressive young man, and uh, and you know so happy for you and the incredible year you've had and the the amazing things you're doing in the community uh, and the beautiful person you are and and I hope we get to talk to you again soon because this was really wonderful, man. Uh, I really appreciate you guys having me on. Like I said, this is something that you know I dreamed about before y'all even know I was dreaming about it. So, <laughs> actually. Get on here. You know, it's pretty dope. I can't wait to see Lil C out there at the camp. Um, you guys are going to have a great time there. And we're live streaming it as well. So for everybody to check it out, um, I think it'd be dope. And um, yeah, I just appreciate all you guys for, you know, all your support. Nah, this is dope, man. I'm excited. I've seen you in a couple of days. My Rock Nation little brother, bro. This is, uh, I'm I'm excited to see uh, Lil C out there too. It's going to be fun, man. Lil Drew too. It's going to be, yeah. it's gonna, it's got a good crew, bro. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be some players. Hell yeah. It's going to be sick. It's going to be sick. Uh, they're going to have a blast for sure. I can't wait to see the highlights uh, of the camp and, and hear more about it. And, and, and Dom, we got to get you back on sometime soon, man. No problem. Hey, see, I've been working on my golf game, man. So let's do it. Let's do it. I'm going to hit that mic right now. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it, man. Good stuff, Dom. Absolutely outstanding, man. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, thank you, guys. I really, really appreciate this, buddy. Well, see, I think we're going to need Dom on uh, again sometime because, wow, that he was he was outstanding. He was great. Uh, I'm telling you, he might be the best guest we ever had, bro. I'm telling you. Don't tell Harky. Don't tell Harvey you said that. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Hark. Hark, Hark is definitely number one. He's up there. You He's, know up there. He's up but there. Dom, but, but, but Dom being able to really really take a step back as a young player and, and be able to look at himself and, you know, change some things about himself, and, and especially in this tough market, you know, that's that's amazing. It's a great story. And like I said, he's the guy that ends up being your leader on your team and in your franchise. and. You know, hopefully the Mets do right by him because, you know, we can tell that he's going to keep getting better and progressing as a player. And, you know, hopefully they keep him around because his story is so great. I and mean, he grew up in this in this market. He grew up. He's a homegrown player. So he's one of those guys you want to hang on to for a long time. Amen, man. Amen. Well, you guys know the deal. New episodes every Thursday. Thank you for always being with us. Make sure you're following R2C2 on Spotify, downloading wherever you get your podcast, and like Dom's brother, tell everybody you know. <laughs> you can also follow us on social on Twitter and Instagram at R2C2. Uh, we'll see you next Thursday. Peace. <laughs>